today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. What everybody's talking about right now at the Toronto Maple Leafs and what's going on in the playoffs, and uh, it's quite a story, a Cinderella story, some people are saying. Others are saying, hey, we told you this was going to happen. Uh, Howard Berger joins us now, of course, longtime Leafs reporter and blogger. Uh, Between the Posts is a much must-read for every hockey fan, and always a, a pleasure to have Howard on the Bill Kelly Show on CHML. Howard, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, Bill. I'm thinking while the federal leaders are in Washington, maybe they ought to find out what's in the air there, hockey-wise, because, uh, uh, yeah, maybe some people figured this was happening or going to happen. But, uh, most people said, nah, can't happen again. This is a different Washington team, deeper, bigger, stronger, faster. There's just no way this can happen again. They well, rely well, on a well coached. As much. You know, Barry Trotz is a well-respected, well I think he's one of the better and, coaches in the league. Yeah, yeah, and yet... I keep waiting for the Leafs to falter. And I don't mean falter on a shift or you know, for five minutes at the beginning of a game, but I keep waiting for them to hit the canvas after a bit of a knockout punch from the Capitals. And they won't. They just keep coming. From the you know, opening have, minute, from the opening yeah. minute of game one, uh, yeah. I, I, these guys have, are just refuse to be intimidated. And I mean, somebody forgot to tell them, Howard, that, that they're supposed to be uh, scared of this. They're supposed to yeah. show their inexperience. These guys look like the playoff veteran team that, that, that everybody thought Washington was going to be. They're, and I say this, uh, you know, endearingly, they're too dumb to know that, to understand that. They, they haven't been through this before. This is all gravy. Uh, as I mentioned in my blog today, uh, the Leafs came into the playoffs this year with no onus. I mean, there's always onus when you come into the playoffs, but there was no expectation. Everything was gravy, like I said, after a 26-point improvement in the standing and actually getting into the playoffs. The Capitals come in, and they've got an anvil, every player, on their, on their back. I mean, they've, they've just got that playoff history, and it's not like saying, well, the Leafs haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1967, so what do you expect them to do now? That's 50 years ago. I'm talking about last year, the year before, the year before that. And it's just the same thing over and over again. Brian McClellan must just be pulling his hair out. I don't know how much Harry Harry has left, but he must be pulling his hair out, the Capitals general manager. What more does he have to do in terms of changing this team, in terms of, uh, of, of making it deeper, better on the blue line? He's got one of the best goalies in the league, and yet the same pattern develops. So what can you say? It, it must be the the leadership of the team, and I use that in, uh, in quotes. I mean, Alex Ovechkin is our first ballot Hall of Famer. Everybody knows that. Nick Backstrom's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Carl Alsner's a pretty good defenseman. But that nucleus just doesn't get it done. There's something about that team, and it showed, Bill, and you saw it, and everybody saw it. The microcosm of the Washington Capitals was that five-minute power, uh, the, the two-minute uh, five-on-three power play. During that uh, second period last night, the Capitals are up three to one. All they need is one goal to put the Leafs away. They have a chance to score two. There was no urgency. There was no plan. There was no scheme, no form on that power play. They were just throwing the puck around. They killed off, basically, the two minutes by themselves. Had two shots on goal. Ovechkin fanned on one. He couldn't have hit Freddie Anderson in the logo more accurately with his (laughs) other shot. I mean, it just I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, these guys don't get it. They just don't get it. This is not an exhibition game in the middle of September. This is a Stanley Cup playoffs against uh, an upstart team full of swagger, full of confidence, full of chutzpah, and they're throwing the puck around like it's a, you know, an early training camp scrimmage. 
And so what happened, Bill? The predictable. Got nothing out of that power play. Basically, like I said, killed it off themselves by throwing the puck around aimlessly. Austin Matthews comes off the bench and scores for the Maple Leafs. And from that point on, even though the game had to go into overtime, I thought the Leafs controlled the entire game. Yeah, there's something going on here, too. And, and you talked about this a lot uh, back in the day when you were doing the Leafs on a daily basis and used to listen to you on the radio. How and, and it was one of these things where you expect even the team that's the quote-unquote underdog usually comes out with a flourish in the first couple of minutes of the game because they're trying to show that they're not. But then they, they, you're right, they cave in. Uh, I think the Leafs are in their heads now. I think the, the Caps are looking at these guys and saying, holy, what's going on here? I, well, I think they're starting yeah. to doubt themselves right now, and they're starting to think, you know what, we could lose this. Well, there may have been some doubt going into the playoff round, and be it the Leafs or anyone else, just because of the, the recent playoff history. So that seed was probably not only planted, but germinating even before the, uh, the first uh, puck was dropped. Um, then the Capitals have to go to overtime to win game one. And so they breathe a sigh of relief. Game two, I thought the Leafs should have won in regulation. That uh, they, they dominated Washington. Again, every time they took a punch off the canvas and came back probably as hard, goes to overtime and the Leafs end up a fourth-line goal, uh, wins it. And then again, last night, two turning points. Mentioned them both in my blog today. The rambunctious shift by Nazem Kadri when the team was down at 2-0. Uh, and, and the crowd was dead and lifeless at the Canada Center after being so, uh, uh, you know, so pumped for the game. Well, Kadri comes out, takes two runs at Brooks Orpik, who was a bit of a villain after putting Roman Polak uh, out for the uh, the season. Although Orpik handled it very nicely, he got a hold of Polak and apologized. He's a pro. Uh, and then, uh, on the same shift, uh, Leo Komarov, uh, you know, pushing uh, Alex Ovechkin three or four times against Flast as Ovechkin push back? No. He just sits there and allows himself to get pushed. Crowd gets back into the game. That's the one turning point. The, uh, the Leafs scored along after that uh, to get on the board. And of course, again, that, that horrible, maybe the worst looking 5-on-3 uh, power play for two minutes I've ever seen. <laughs> Certainly, given the circumstance, Leafs kill that off, or as I said, the Capitals killed their own penalty off. And, uh, and Matthew scores uh, a few moments later. So it was really, um, uh, again, it was just sort of a microcosm of the Washington Capitals at playoff time. And I think the Leafs have them. I mean, I can't, anything can happen. We know that. And when you think something is going to happen, quite often in the playoffs, the opposite does. But the way the Leafs are playing right now, do you see them, Bill, losing three of the next four games? It, I don't. It, it just seems highly unlikely, especially yeah. because, well, I was just about to ask you next. Uh, when did Freddie Anderson decide he was going to start playing like Henrik Lundqvist? Well, <laughs> I mean, he has ramped up his game. I mean, everybody was thinking, well, the goaltending's not really that strong. Well, he's, o- he's okay, but, uh, and by the way, just as Lundqvist is playing, I think, really good, notwithstanding how Montreal's winning that series. But yeah. Lundqvist has stood on his head. So has Freddie Anderson. Well, Anderson, you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a surprise. You know, you and I have talked about this. It's been since 2003-04 since the Leafs have had a goaltender that could play 60-plus games, and they can rely on him. And it was Eddie Belfour in the year before the lockout. And how many goaltenders have they they've been through since uh, in, in the post-2005 lockout era? A lot. James, yeah, I mean, James Reimer's the only guy that gave them a couple of stretches of really good goaltending, but not through an entire season. So Anderson was able to do that this year. Everybody in October was saying, ah, typical Leaf goalie stinks. Well, of course, he had a bit of a slow start. And then he was, I thought, you know, among the top half dozen goalies in the league uh, for most of uh, the season, so that's not really uh, that big a surprise. And yet, last night they really didn't 
have to rely on him that much. He made a couple of saves, but it wasn't like game one or game two in Washington, particularly the first game where he was uh, like a, an octopus all over the ice or all over the crease. Last night, the Leafs controlled that game from that silly five-on-three power play on. They controlled the game. It's a measure of Washington's depth and talent that the Leafs aren't winning this series 3 nothing and haven't won all three games in regulation time. And they're not playing a slouch in terms of personnel. But I'll tell you, the, the emotional uh, aspect of, of, the, of the playoffs this series is all in the Maple Leafs' favor right now. And, and I'm sure Mike Babcock is happy that these guys don't know it. Like I said, they're, they're, endearingly, they're too dumb to know what's happening. They're too young. They're just going out and having fun. It's like a scrimmage to them. No one's expecting them to do anything. Although if they go 3-1 in this series, the expectation suddenly will rise. Well, and everybody's talking about the kids, and justifiably so. I mean, Matthews was outstanding, Nylander, and, and I, I love Hyman's, uh, I just love his aggressiveness. I mean, he's yep. he's one of those guys that makes things happen on the ice, and, and it, sometimes it reflects on the score sheet, sometimes not. But they, I, I don't know, Babcock knows he's a catalyst. But again, to, your, to the point you and I talked about about a week and a half or so ago, just as this was getting underway. It's the veterans. Now, when you say, well, you need veteran leadership in the playoffs, uh, you may not think of Tyler Bozak as a playoff leader, but hes I, I thought he's played well. You mentioned Codry just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Those guys are stepping up and making plays at pivotal times in the game, and that really, yeah. I think, boosts everybody on, on the bench. Well, if you ask most Leaf fans, particularly younger ones, that maybe watch the game more for enjoyment and don't really analyze it that much, uh, and that's probably the best way to watch it, uh, who is the Maple Leafs' most valuable player this season? And right now, most would say, well, it's got to be Austin Matthews. Sure, yeah. 40 goals, going to win the Rookie of the Year. Uh, got to be Freddie Anderson in goal. I mean, the Leafs don't go anywhere without uh, goaltending. Both of those answers could be legitimate. I say in my blog today, and I've said all season, Nazem Kadri is their most valuable player because he's the only guy that can combine a good offensive touch, whether you have 30 or 31 goals, and that ability you know, the, the old Eddie Shack ability to come off the bench, although Shaq was a guy that was used sparingly, you know, get out there, cause a bit of stir, get the crowd into the game. Who else? Well, maybe Leo Komarov, but he hasn't got uh, Kadri's uh, offensive skill. Who else on the Maple Leafs uh, can be counted upon to go out there, go full bore, uh, go all helter-skelter and get the, get the team and the crowd going. Kadri did it last night. He's done it a number of times, and yet he's not a slug. He's a guy that can also score 30 goals, 60 or 65 points. I think he's the Leafs MVP. I've been saying it all year, and uh, I, I, I doubly believe it now after what I saw last night. Um, Bozak is a guy, and you and I have talked about this, Bill. I thought when Kessel was traded that Bozak was going with him. I thought they were attached like, you know, like Siamese twins kind of, uh, where they lived together in a, a condominium here in downtown Toronto. Um, a lot of people felt that Bozak had uh, inherited some of Kessel's bad habits at the time. You know, maybe they were overblown being in Toronto, but uh, clearly the Leafs are better off without Phil Kessel. And I thought I didn't even have him on the roster going into last season. I figured they'll either, you know, they'll pull a Joffrey Lupo on him, or they'll they'll trade him. And yet, not only has he uh, stayed with the team since Phil Kessel, but he's playing the best hockey of his career. He's proven to be a bit of a leader. He's not a raw raw guy. He's not big. He's not going to lead physically but he's the, maybe the best in the league, one of the best in the league in the face-off circle, certainly the best on the Maple Leafs. And, again, last night comes through with a wonderful redirection of Kadri's pass in overtime. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing about the Leafs right now that you, you, know, you can say, well, because of that, they're going to lose the next three or four games. Is it possible? Absolutely. This is not a best-of-three series. It's a best-of-seven. But they're just going. 
they're going, and as I said, I don't think they realize that they're going. And you know what, Bill? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. You, you don't want to have it at the wrong time, but there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with swagger in the playoffs. There's nothing wrong with strutting as long as you can walk the walk. You know what I mean? And the Leafs are doing that. And they've got some chutzpah and they've got swagger. And they don't sit there necessarily and, you know, stick their uh, strut out their chins and say, you know, try and stop us. It's just the way they play. It, 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 it screams that. It's like, okay, try and stop us now. All right, you got a goal. Try and stop us again. All right, we got it. Took a stupid penalty. Try and stop us a third time. And they can't do it. I don't know if it's Washington. I think it's a combination of. Washington at playoff time and the way the Leafs are going right now. I think it would be a difficult series, a more difficult series against Pittsburgh, and that might be next. Um, but uh, these guys have it going. And all the credit to them and Babcock and Lamorello and uh, Hunter and Shanny and all those guys that have put this team together so quickly. There are two Stanley Cup runs that really came to mind as I was watching these guys. And one was uh, when Tampa Bay won a few years ago with our, our good buddy Dave Anderchuk, of course. Uh, and and that was a team that everybody thought, yeah, they're they're they're, they're interesting. Yeah, they 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 made some good additions, but they played Montreal in the first round. I mean, you know, well, oh, wait a second, they're beating them. Well, okay, but they're never going to get past the second. Next thing you know, Dave's hoisting the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And the other one was the the Carolina Hurricanes. Same idea. Uh, yep. Coincidentally, played Montreal in the first round again. And you thought, yeah, yeah, that's a team that's a lot of potential. They made some really good additions. They got a couple of veteran guys, Gary Roberts and a bunch of other guys on the. And next thing you know, they're hoisting the Stanley Cup. Nobody expected those guys to go deep into the playoffs, let alone win the thing. Uh, now, I don't want to start planning a, a parade on University Avenue already, but how deep can these guys go if they get past Washington? Well, first of all, I'm getting the willies because you reminded me of the two worst travel Stanley Cup finals <laughs> I ever covered. Oh, my God. 2004, uh, uh, Calgary, Denver, change planes, then down to Tampa. Tampa, Denver, change planes, up to Calgary. And then uh, the uh, what were we talking about? 2006, same thing. Yeah. Toronto to uh, to Raleigh, Raleigh, Toronto, Toronto, Calgary, Calgary, Toronto, Toronto, Raleigh. I mean, there was just you know you, you traveled all day and and a half just to get between games. You, but, you, are, you are the king um, of air miles. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> but yes, uh, it was uh, it was quite a time, different time though, Bill. And and you know this, uh, that was prior to the to the lockout. And if you look at those series, great players, and they both went seven games. But there was a lot of the uh, of obstruction. There was there was a lot of stuff going on that you, that doesn't go on today. Um, you know, does that mean those teams weren't full value for uh, for winning? No, they, 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 within the context of the game back then, the, the Lightning was the best in in 2004, and the uh, uh, the Hurricanes were the best in 2006. Carolina, of course, had gone to the Cup final under Paul Maurice in 02 yeah. and lost to Detroit, and then to prove it wasn't a fluke, they went back to the semifinals in 09 and lost to the Penguins. Uh, with Peter Laviolette as their coach, I believe. No, Mar- Paul Maurice had been, was back at that time. Laviolette won uh, the Cup in '06. So, I mean, yeah, you can't say it was a fluke. Uh, Edmonton, well, how did Edmonton get to the Stanley Cup final? They acquired Chris Pronger. Every team that acquired Chris Pronger went to the Stanley Cup final, it seemed like, in that era. So, within the context of the game back then, you give them uh, full credit. But if, if you watch videos or highlights of, of the game back then, it was slower and there was a lot more tugging, particularly between the blue lines, uh, uh, which there isn't, thankfully, anymore. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.